Growing a successful design business is hard work. There's so much to do and so little time to get it all done, not to mention the actual design work. The good news is that we are here to help. I'm Krista, the WordPress developer and website strategist from KristaRay.co. And I'm Corey, the designer and creative coach from CoreyWoodard.com. In the Get Back to Design podcast, we're going to share strategies and tools to help streamline and grow your design business, ditch the code and anything else you don't love, and well, get back to design. Grab a cup of coffee, open that Illustrator file you've been working on, and let's dive in. So Krista, I noticed that a lot of our episodes are actually geared toward more experienced designers, and I know that we actually have a lot of people in our group or trying to join our Facebook group who are really interested in starting their own design business, so I figured we would talk about just the most important things you can think about and should focus on when you are just starting your design business. I was thinking the exact same thing when I saw the title for this episode. I was like, oh, maybe we should have done this one earlier than episode 57. But hey, better late than never. And I'm excited about this because I think people get so bogged down about the billions of things they need to be doing when they're starting out. And really, there are, you know, a few set things you can focus on. So I'm excited to go through those things today. Yeah, I agree. I think... People either think there are so many things that they have to do and they get overwhelmed and so they don't do them Mm -hmm. um, and they don't start their business or they don't focus on the right things. So once they are getting started, it's a hot mess. So let's go on ahead and just dive right in and kind of um, get started with what I call the boring details. So unfortunately, the very first thing you have to think about when you are wanting to start your own business, really any kind of business, but especially for design, is exactly what you are going to offer and who you are going to market those services to. Now, we talked a little bit about this in episode 52 and just why it's so important to niche your business and all this stuff. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back a few episodes and listen in. It may seem super obvious that, hey, I am going to offer branding and website design services and all this stuff. But there are actually a ton of different types of design services that you can offer people. Um, Design VA work is really unique to me because I don't know that many people that do it. So that's a good example. You could only do branding. You could only do web design. You know, you could only do someone's Instagram graphics. I'm sure you could make a business out of that. Mm -hmm. So if you start out with a specific niche, I think that you are so much more likely to stand out even more among the rest of us designers and you might actually be able to grow your business a little bit faster than the rest of us did. (laughs) I love the examples you gave. The examples you gave were all really specific and you were saying things like, you know, Instagram graphics or just branding. And I, I love those examples in this context because I think a lot of new business owners, whether it's design or something else, fall into the trap of trying to offer everything in the hopes that something will catch someone's attention. So 
when I was doing website reviews a while back, I'd go to a designer's website and they offered branding, websites, a couple different levels of those things. They'd offer social media, this or that, VA services. And I'm like, what are you doing? But I know <laughs> that it's just them, you know, being scared of, you know, not getting any clients and just trying to make sure they have something that anyone would be interested in, even though it actually hurts them in the long run to do it that way. Yeah, and I think something else going along with that is people either throw everything in the kitchen sink at their potential clients, or they pick services that even though they're not amazing at them, they see, yeah. well, that's what everyone else is offering, so that's what I should offer too. Mm -hmm. Because when I got started with my business, I thought, well, I should do blog design and I should include branding and this is how my packages should look. And I've been really fortunate that that's worked out and I've been successful with it, but that's not necessarily the case for everyone, especially nowadays where there's like 500,000 designers <laughs> online competing yeah. for work. Oh, so true. When I started my website, I actually launched doing website design because I was like, well, I want to do development, but... I can't just do that. I have to design too. So my main service was website design and thank God no one booked that because it would have been <laughs> a disaster. So yeah, don't, don't put services on your website because you like think they're the right ones or you're trying to do what someone else successful is doing. Definitely do things that you feel comfortable with and can actually accomplish for people. Unlike me when I started. Yeah, I totally agree. And I kind of wish that someone had booked that service <laughs> just so we could all look back and see what kind of design you would oh, have made. Would tears. <laughs> <laughs> but just kind of moving on, when you're making the decision about your services and your target market, obviously it's also a good time to start thinking about what your prices will be. And we talked about, you know, figuring out how to price your services in episode 39. But the key thing to keep in mind is when you're starting your business, sometimes your prices have to be a little bit lower than you want them to be. So it's okay to start low and then work your way up. Maybe increase your prices every six months to a year as you gain more experience and expertise. But... You definitely want to keep in mind that you can't just come out of the gate charging $5,000 for branding. Like, that's just not something you can get away with. And on the opposite end of that, I do want to note that I think a lot of designers, and I guess I kind of got stuck in this too, but think that they have to offer work for free. Um, just to try to, you know, build up a portfolio and get their name out there. But I do not believe that you have to do this. I think my very first paid project was like 50 euros, whatever that was for like US dollars. <laughs> you know what it for was. some reason, yeah, for some reason I quoted her in euros because she was in the UK. But, um, and basically I was like, oh, that's all the money you have? Sure, I'll do it for that much. But um, you can start really, really low or maybe not that low and then kind of work your way up from there. Please don't think that you have to do work for free mm -hmm. because I think a lot of designers actually burn themselves out on their business before yeah. they even get anywhere because they did the work for free. 
Yeah, I think a really good example of this is one of our mastermind ladies, Melanie from Melanie Crafting Co. I, me- I think she started out offering websites for three hundred dollars, and she got she clients was really that low. way. But now I would consider her fairly premium pricing. She's worked her way up mm-hmm. to that, and she's still booking clients. But her experience grew along with those prices, and I think she's a really good example. Because I remember we were like, "Oh, girl, what are you doing?" <laughs> but it worked for her, and she was happy with that at the time. And now things have grown, and it it worked out great. Yeah, we all cringed at how low her prices were. And Melanie, <laughs> if you, you are listening to this, we love you. <laughs> and we definitely think you are right up there with your prices yeah, now. Sure. But um, I do, I didn't think about her, but I think that is a really good example because um, you do have to build up experience and expertise. Even if you had a degree, it's still different mm-hmm. having your own business and you know, doing things online and that sort of stuff. So keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, a few other things like boring details. I don't think these are very boring, but part of the boring stuff that you have to consider is your process. So what is it actually going to look like when a client books you? Are you going to do a mood board? Like, how are you actually going to do this? And if you have experience in the design field, then you probably know. But if you have no experience whatsoever, you got to figure out your process (laughs) before someone books you. And then the other thing, and that was probably super sassy, but come on, you do have to figure out your process. I did that. I remember when I booked my first client, I was like, oh, crap, I don't have a contract. I don't know how to invoice this person. I don't know how to make a test site. Like, it happened. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was just as much of a hot mess, but looking back, it would have really yeah, probably made like our this. lives easier, yeah, to have the process. So the other thing that you have to consider is just how you're going to manage projects. So we've talked to this until we're blue in the face on this podcast. Um, But you can start out managing your projects in your inbox if you're crazy and want to do what we did. But eventually you do want to consider how you are going to handle projects, especially if you're going to take on more than one or two at a time. So the next thing you have to focus on is obviously your website. Now, this is after you have nailed down all the really boring and maybe not so boring details of your business, you have to start working on your website and get yourself online. So there are a few things that you have to have If you want to be able to book clients, and we went over every single page you should have on your website in very good detail in episode 47, but I did want to recap just the three most important things that can help you book clients, and I'm sure Krista will agree here. Mm -hmm. First up is your portfolio. So here's an obvious one. (laughs) If you want anyone to be interested in booking you for some kind of project, then you have to show off your work. Now, there are really good ways and absolutely terrible ways to go about showing your work, but the best thing is just to show an in-depth look at the work you did for the project. So again, we've talked about this in previous episodes, so go back and listen to those to kind of hear our thoughts on it. But the main thing I think here is to remember that people are not going to read every single thing that you have on your site and in your portfolio about a project. So 
you don't have to be too worried about giving them too much information. For me, I would rather be able to read a whole entire case study and skip over the parts that I don't care about rather than just seeing a picture and having no clue what you did on there. Yeah, I think something that a lot of des newer designers worry about is like not having actual clients to show off in their portfolio and then they try to do nothing. And I think design more than any other type of business out there, design is the one that's most important that when you launch your business, you have a portfolio to show off, even if you haven't worked with clients. And I know you're gonna talk about like options they have for that next, but you can't skip this one if you're starting a design business. Yeah, no, because if you don't, if people don't know what your work looks like, then they're like, why would I give you even a hundred dollars? Yeah, and no. am I just a guinea pig for you to learn how to design with? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, because that's scary. <laughs> but if you don't have any previous client work, that's totally okay. Um, instead, if you're coming out of college, you can share schoolwork. I know when I first set up my website, I put in my best and favorite projects from class in my portfolio to kind of pad things out a little bit. Obviously, they were very different from what I'm doing now and even what I wanted to be doing then, but it was a good way to kind of help establish, hey, I actually do know what mm -hmm. I'm doing. Yeah, and that's the um, too. I don't care. I don't care what you think. It was still awesome. <laughs> I do have one like really huge project that I kind of just want to keep putting out there <laughs> from school, but it's mostly because I went above and beyond like making it super awesome because it was like this big project for school, but we're beyond that now, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so another thing that you can do if maybe you're like, well, I didn't go to college for design and I have no previous client work. Well, my other recommendation for you is to just create some personal projects so you can build up experience and show off what you know how to do. And this may seem really silly, but I know several of the bigger designers, more experienced designers that I follow have done this, mm -hmm. either just because work is slow and they need something to do and it's fun to be able to be your own client and kind of make up stuff, or it is a really good way to kind of gain experience testing out things that you don't get to do every day with your clients. So I think someone that I follow, she did some sort of packaging design for a local business, and I don't think they had any idea that she was doing it, but she wanted more experience with packaging design. I like that idea. And you guys could also use your own website too. If, if you're doing, if you're offering website design, so this wouldn't make sense for anyone, but if you're offering website design, totally put your own website in your portfolio when you're getting started. It might like seem weird, but it's something and people can be like, okay, she did this because this wasn't a theme or whatever. It's something she made herself. So it's better than nothing. Yeah. I actually think I had my branding and my website in my portfolio for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely add that if you're doing it. Um, the other page that, oh my gosh, you guys, you have to have it, is an about page. Mm -hmm. And I think we have both said that we would not hire someone if we didn't know Jack Diddley about them. <laughs> so this is true for a lot of people, and it's especially true once you start bumping your prices up. This is why it is so, 
so important to have some sort of about page on your site. Now we both share a little more than we probably have to just by including some extra photos and personal details. But you guys, you do not have to give that much away mm -hmm. if you're not comfortable with it. So I say at least share a little bit about, you know, who you are, who you do work for, how you help them. And then a major bonus that I think Krista would probably kill me <laughs> through the computer screen <laughs> if I didn't include would be to share a headshot on this page. If you don't have a headshot anywhere on your website, no one is going to hire you. I am going to put that out there. So make sure you at least have one on your about page. Yeah, and I think these personal details and the headshot are so important. Like you said, it doesn't have to be anything crazy personal, but just a little bit. Like, what's your favorite color or what's your dog's name? Helps people feel... It's really actually weird how much more connected people can feel with you just by knowing a couple little things like that. It makes a really big difference with how they look at you as a person instead of just like a boring website that they would never hire. Now, the next page and just the last page I'm going to talk about here that you have to have on your website is a contact page. Now, this one is exactly like the portfolio page. If you want to book work, you have to have this on your <laughs> website somewhere. Now, I know a lot of people would probably think, oh, I can just list my email in plain text, you know, on my services or about page, people will contact me. Nope, if you don't have it in bold or some kind of different color, people are for sure going to miss it, except for the spammers who have some kind of crazy robot finding your email so they can send you junk mail. Yeah. But our clients are not doing that. So instead, it's a really good idea just to have a whole page dedicated to where people can just figure out how to contact you. And I think it's even better if you take it a step further and set up an actual form that people can get in touch with you through. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the more questions you ask about the project, the better, but you don't want to overwhelm them too much when you're just trying to book the work. But this is a really good page to set up and a form. Those two things um, are good, especially when you're just getting started. Yeah, a client that we're starting with this week, actually, I was on a call with her. I don't think I told you this. And she, we were talking about her contact page. And she was like, can I just list out a sentence in my email address? Like, I don't need a form. Do I? Like, why do I need the form? And I was like, okay, you don't need the form. But why would you not have something that makes it that much easier for someone to contact you? Some people hate contact forms. I actually, if I can find an email address on the page, I'm more likely to just email someone. But not all people are like that. Depending on what kind of client you target, especially, some of them just want a simple form to fill out. They don't want to have to go to Gmail or whatever and copy and paste your email address and write you an email. So having a form literally takes five, ten minutes to set up. And I do think it's something worth having, even though you don't like it have to have it. Yeah, I really agree. And as crazy as it may sound, I've actually noticed that on a lot of my past clients' sites for bloggers primarily, obviously. Um, yeah, they just have like a line there mm -hmm. and a really like even more basic than basic contact form or they literally just have the line. And it's like, yeah, that's great and all, but your email is still going to get lost somehow and the person is not going to end up reaching out to you. So it's better to just have name, email, message, hit submit, 
called a Yay. day. And it's really not that hard to set no. up either. So. Yeah, most of the time, if, if you're on WordPress at least, and I'm sure Squarespace is the same, you install a contract, contact form plugin, they have a pre-made one there for you, you're done. Like, couldn't be easier. Exactly. You literally don't have to do anything else. A few <laughs> it's clicks. My favorite thing. So no excuses, you guys. <laughs> so the third thing that I think you should focus on when you're trying to start a web design or not even web design, but just any kind of design business actually would be to share consistently. So I say this and you're probably like, share what consistently? Share work, share blog posts, social media stuff, what am I sharing? And I'm leaving this one kind of vague because it's really up to you what you are putting out into the universe. But it is a good way to get yourself out there and start establishing that, hey, so-and-so is a designer and people can start putting two and two together. Now, I think the first thing we all think of when we hear share consistently would probably be blog post. Well, you don't have to have a blog if you want to have a business. I think most people would probably disagree with me, but I don't necessarily think you do. So you don't have to have one, but a blog is still a really good place to share, you know, your work, to establish your expertise and just have a place to put new things out mm -hmm. there. Um, if you don't want to have a blog, that's cool, whatever, it's your business, you get to decide. However, I will say that if you don't have a blog, please make sure you're at least on social media because it's actually, I think it's a red flag. If you can't find the person oh, anywhere sure. else on the internet, you're like, are you a real person? <laughs> or are you a scammer? Yep. Oh, for sure. And yeah. <laughs> so if you are just going to be on social media, I think Pinterest and Instagram are the best platforms for you because they are so visual and that's obviously what designers need. Yeah, I think Instagram is a great one, especially for people who don't want to blog because you can post about anything, share parts of your day, share what you're working on. Instagram stories is super easy. Share little tiny snippets that you know most of the people that follow you are going to see if they look at stories, I guess. But it doesn't have to be sharing blog posts. Like I feel like Twitter is one where if you don't have blog posts, yeah, you can like get on there and rant about different things, but it's like harder to stay <laughs> really active and grow a personal following on platforms like that. So I like those two examples. Yeah, and I definitely agree with you. Instagram is a good one, not just because it's visual and you can share whatever you want, but it's also like a micro-blogging platform. So you can share a couple of paragraphs, if you're crazy like me, with your pictures, and you can still get you know, your expertise established without having to write an, a thousand-word blog post to do the same exact yeah. thing. Now, I will say that consistency is the most important thing here, regardless of what you choose to do. Um, and from my own experience, I sometimes crawl into my little shell and I don't do anything consistently for a while. And it's those times, if I'm not active in the community in some way and I'm not consistently publishing new content, I can definitely feel myself 
falling behind a little bit. I can notice it in how many people are reaching out to me just for design work. So definitely make sure that you establish some sort of routine and sharing content consistently. Um, I will also say you don't have to share like three to four times a week. You can get away with doing it maybe once a week, once every other week, depending on the platform and what you're putting out there. Whatever it is, pick a schedule, stick with it, show up consistently. I could not agree more with that. Like right now, I'm in kind of a slower season, like you said, and I totally think it's because I've been getting lazy everywhere. Like when you when you start like getting clients and get booked out, you're like, okay, this is cool. I'm just going to kind of slack and do my client work. But then when you come to the end of that, you're like, oh, crap, I should probably get back on things here. So I'm trying to like go back into Facebook groups and be on Instagram stories a little bit more because you definitely see a difference. So be as consistent as you can. Like Corey said, it doesn't have to be constantly, but maybe play around. See if you notice a difference if you're posting somewhere once a week versus more than that, depending on what place it's in and kind of go off of the results you see after a certain period of time trying that. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Test some things out and see what works for you and what you enjoy doing. Because yeah. if you don't enjoy posting on Instagram five days a week, <laughs> then you're not going to keep it yep. up very long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just the last thing to focus on when you're starting your design business is to network, network, and network some more. Now, this is after you have started putting some content out there. So people are kind of filling you out, getting to know who you are, and you can network with your peers, so other designers, but you also should be networking with people in your target market and then also people who um, provide services to your target market as well. So a good example of this would be if you do some type of design for photographers, you can network with photographers, obviously, because that's going to be a big way that you book clients. But you can also reach out to content writers for photographers or whatever else those people actually need. So there you go. <laughs> Um, a good way to do this is to get in Facebook groups, and we talked about this a ton in episode 27, so make sure you show up, answer questions, pitch yourself when it is appropriate, mm -hmm. because it's not always the right time to drop a link to your website, but this is probably the easiest way to kind of network with other people, don't you think? Yeah, definitely, and I think the answering questions is so important because there are so many times you see a post in a Facebook group, someone's asking for help with something and everyone starts responding by just dropping their links. It's like, no, yep. they did not say they want to hire you. They're looking for a nice person to help them. So a better response would be, you know, steps to get them started. Oh, and if you still need help, I'd love to chat with you or something. Then maybe include your link. But if someone's just asking for help or mentions, you know, asks, something I see a lot is people asking like how to find a designer and then all the designers start spam spamming, their, spamming their links. I'm a designer. Like, no, that's not what she asked. She's asking how <laughs> to find the right one. So Pitching yourself when it's appropriate is so important. Don't get into the habit of just dropping your link whenever you can because there's nothing more annoying than that and no one wants to hire that person. <laughs> nope, no one wants to hire that person, know that person, yeah. <laughs> have that person show up on any other social media platform. Don't be that person who is really annoying in Facebook groups. Yeah. 
Now, another good way to network is to do coffee chats. And I don't love doing these, and I don't do them very regularly. <laughs> so I am going to hand this over to Krista because I know you do these pretty regularly, or you used to at least, and yeah. you saw some decent growth in your business from doing them consistently. Yeah, I don't love them either. I actually, that was another <laughs> one of the things that I've totally been slacking off on the last few months, but yesterday I scheduled four of them for the upcoming month. Oh, holy because crap. Because I do see a difference. <laughs> and not every single coffee chat gets you anywhere, guys. It's That's not how it works. It's kind of, you know, every few is going to be someone who will start shouting you out in Facebook groups, someone or someone you just become friends with. Like, I love that part of doing coffee chats, even if we don't recommend each other a lot. It's someone else you know on social media. You can be scrolling through Instagram and have something fun to say because you know this person. Um, but it's also great because you can connect with potential clients in a non-gross feeling way. Like you're literally getting on just to chat with people. And the point of these is not to pitch at the end. That's not how it works. Um, but I've had several people that I've done coffee chats with come back to me and we start working together or start shouting out to other people. And it's great. And it doesn't happen every single time, but it's just, if you're trying to get your name out there, this is a really, really good way to do it. And it takes, you know, 30 minutes, however often you want to do it. You definitely want to have some talking points written down because it can be <laughs> a little awkward if no one is prepared. Um, but if you are prepared and kind of somewhat natural with conversation, you'll be totally fine with these. Yeah, I have definitely had a few of those <laughs> where I didn't go in with any questions prepared. I thought it was just going to be casual. And the other person was just looking at me on Skype and yep. I was like, well... This is super yeah. fun. <laughs> I mean, just ask a billion questions about you and sit here. <laughs> you get some of those. Yeah, <laughs> which I honestly don't mind. I think the one thing that I really enjoyed about coffee chats when I was doing them is also getting to know the person mm -hmm. and their business and like what they were doing. And um, I know I would always ask, what's one thing you're working on this year or want to accomplish, you know? Little things like that, so you can kind of get to know them a little bit more, but you still kind of have to bring it back to the business side. Yeah. You can't just be like, so, how many kids do you have? Where do you live? What's your favorite color? What food do you eat? What do you order at Starbucks? Because that's not going to benefit yeah. you in the way that the coffee chats are really supposed to. So, you don't have to prepare, like, an interview yeah type of questions, but it is a good idea to just take a look at their website for maybe a few minutes and just jot down, hey, I noticed you do this. Mm -hmm. Why'd right. you get started doing it? You know, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and I will also say you don't have to do a ton per month. You don't have to fill your whole entire week doing them. I think that's something else that really bugged me when I was doing them is I set this expectation on myself to do a gazillion per month to kind of match what you were doing at the time. And I was like, I hate getting ready. So I don't enjoy doing this. And even though I would come off of the call saying, hey, that person was really cool. I would dread them so yeah. much. So maybe do like two or three, schedule them throughout your week if you need to schedule them throughout your week or schedule them all on one day if you want to just be like, boom, done for the month <laughs> and then call it a day. But you guys, these are really a good idea, even if I'm like a hypocrite <laughs> and I don't do them because I don't it like happens. them. It happens. 
Um, the last really, really great way that you can network is gasp to get off of your computer and interact with people in person. So (laughs) this is like the next step after coffee chats. So if you're not digging the coffee chats, you're probably not going to enjoy doing this, but I do think it's a good idea to kind of get your face out there in the community, whatever it is, and get to know people who you could collaborate with, people who might send clients your way, you know, that kind of thing. So if you want to work with local clients, a good place to start is to go to local events. And I know that depending on what size city you live in, like I know I live in a pretty small city right now, um, you might not have that many local events, but kind of check out the surrounding areas and maybe make it a thing you do once per quarter to kind of travel to go to um, a local event that's maybe like an hour away or something. If you do not care about local clients, more props to you because that's cool and I think that's most of mm-hmm. us. Um, you want to look for conferences that your target market would be going to. So I know a lot of people are kind of confused on where to start here because they think, well, I want to go to conferences with other designers. And I think that's what I usually think. Like if I go to one in the next like three years, it's going to be one with other designers. But it would be more beneficial if you're just starting your business to go to one where you can meet potential clients. And a really, really good resource for this is actually the Conference Connection, which I will be sharing a link to um, the website in the show notes, but it's theconferenceconnection.com. And this website is really cool, and I've seen a ton of people talk about it, but it has all sorts of events. You can... um, Organize things just by location, price, the type of industry, that sort of thing. So it's a great way to kind of get an idea of the conferences that are out there, maybe some that are local, some that would get you traveling a little bit, which could be fun, and can get you networking with potential clients. Yeah, I've never actually been to a creative business conference at all. Have you? We're the worst. (laughs) I've been to software developer conferences, but those are way different, and it's just all nerdy dudes walking around. I don't think I have. I mean, not like a not like a normal conference. I've been to meetups. Oh yeah. Like with just a few people for little things like that, and also in person coffee chats. I love doing those. Those are always really mm-hmm. fun. But no, I actually don't think I've ever been to a big conference. I think in-person coffee chats and just the littler meetups totally count too. I've been I've been to one meetup, and there were only three of us there, but it was still just really nice to actually connect with people in person. It just feels different for some reason. I don't know, but yeah, I like this one. Good point to yeah, get off. Yeah, well, your you have to get. You have to get out of your house <sighs> and put real clothes on and see people. But I think it does have a whole different kind of connection Mm -hmm. that you can make with someone in person. So, okay, just to recap this whole episode for you guys, I think it may seem like there are already so many designers out there and why would I want to start a business when there's so much competition? But 
there are a lot of people who are actually wanting to start their own design business and that's really cool. So the key to being successful with your business is to make sure that you're focusing on the right things when you're just starting out and that obviously you actually start your business. <laughs> the action steps for this episode would be if you are thinking about starting your own design business, go back through the show notes just for today's episode and the several episodes that we have mentioned in here and start creating a game plan for launching. And then once you've launched, let us know because we want to celebrate with you. So you can let us know on Instagram or Twitter where we are at Get Back to Design or you can shoot us an email and we will celebrate the launch of your business with you. Thank you so much for listening. For show notes, past episodes, and more information about the two of us, visit us online at getbacktodesign.co. If you enjoyed today's show, it would mean the world to Krista and I if you take two minutes to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Now put what you learned into action so you can streamline and grow your business, ditch the code, and get back to design. Thank you.